I learned pretty fast that I was different from most of my classmates. In elementary school, all the way through high school, I had a lateral lisp. I couldn't say my S's and I couldn't say my R's right. My teachers encouraged me to take speech therapy to help with my lisp. My speech therapist was Mrs. Leslie Marcelaine. <laughs> That's just not fair. Good morning, Mrs. Marcelaine. And Mrs. Marcelaine worked with me during school to help me say my S's and R's. She even gave me a sheet to have all the teachers sign that read, Lloyd is working on his S's and R's. I had to have the gym teacher testify that I was working on my S's and R's. I'm just running around gym class for 40 minutes, keep turning left. And at the end of class, I run my paper up to Ms. Mercer. Good morning, Ms. Mercer. Will you sign this paper saying I'm working on my S's and R's? Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, thankfully, without a noticeable lateral lisp. And you're listening to They Vowed a Vow on Simplify. I read a story in the book of Judges that makes me feel sorry for the tribe of Ephraim. Right after God gave Jephthah and Israel their underdog victory, the tribe of Ephraim was outraged. They wanted to help rout the Ammonites, and they demanded to know why they weren't part of the win. Suddenly, Israel spiraled into a civil war. When the Ephraimites tried to escape for their lives across the Jordan River, they had to pronounce the word Shibboleth. But the Ephraimites had a little speech therapy issue. They could not pronounce it right. They said Sibboleth. And 42,000 Ephraimites died. An entire tribe nearly died because they could not pronounce their S's right in the password. That's what happens when everybody does what is right in their own eyes. After Jephthah, Israel cycled through a handful of judges and sank into sin again. And God sent a different enemy to bring them back to him. This time, God called on the Philistines. And after 40 years of oppression, God sent an angel to a woman married to a man named Manoah, and the angel promised she would finally bear a son, her first son, and he would live his life as a Nazarite, which meant he could not drink, he could not eat the wrong food, he could not go near a dead body, and he could not cut his hair. But God would raise him to rule in Israel and finally free them from the Philistines. The parents of the PTA must have rolled their eyes. My son is going to rule the nation. <laughs> yeah, sure he will. But before the angel left, there before God, Manoah and his wife vowed a vow that their son would be separated unto God. He was born. She named him Samson. Between Judges 13 verse 25 and Judges 14 verse 1, Samson grew into his 20s. That's a fast growth. And we see our first sign of trouble when Samson started crushing on a young Philistine lady. The same group of people who pushed Israel around for the last 40 years. The same group of people Samson was called to go to war with and win. And Samson was in love with a Philistine. While he and his mom and dad were headed down to Timnah to meet up with his fiancée, a young lion attacked Samson and suddenly Samson felt something he had never felt before. The Spirit of the Lord came on Samson and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. His mom and dad must have looked at each other. Well, that's something you don't see every day. And Samson must have wondered, where did that come from? The next time he came to Timnah, he looked for the lion and found a bee's nest in its carcass. Samson scooped 
some honey from the bee's nest and fed it to his family. But in this one odd act, Samson had already broken the vow his parents made for him. He wasn't supposed to go near a dead body, but he intentionally sought out the lion he killed on his last trip to Timnah. Things got tense between Samson and his fiancée, and at what was supposed to be his wedding, his fiancée's father gave her to Samson's best man to be married. That hurts. Samson had rage and revenge in his eyes. He caught 300 foxes, tied their tails together, set them on fire, and set them free to set the Philistines' fields on fire. All their grain, gone. Their vineyards, gone. Their olive groves, gone. The Philistines got rage and revenge in their eyes, and they found Samson's former fiance, and they burned her house down with her and her father in it. It's the same song, different verse, when everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Samson couldn't believe the news. He vowed a vow that he would not rest until he had exacted his revenge on the Philistines, and he did, but it was never enough. Revenge never says enough. The Philistines struck back by striking the town Samson was hiding in. The townspeople didn't want trouble, so they banded 3,000 men together to find Samson, and Samson agreed to go with them, but only as a trap. They tied him with new ropes and delivered him to the Philistines, and suddenly Samson felt again what he felt before. The Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. He grabbed a jawbone of a donkey, and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. God was empowering Samson to destroy the Philistines who were slowly destroying God's people. And Samson judged Israel for 20 years. But those years were coming to an untimely end. Samson fell in love with another woman, this time a woman from the Valley of Sorek. Her name was Delilah. The Valley of Sorek bordered Israel and Philistia. We don't know if Delilah was an Israelite, a Philistine, or neither. But the Philistines thought they could turn her against her man. They promised her 1,100 shekels of silver for her troubles. A working wage was 10 shekels of silver a day. She was being paid 110 days' pay just to find out Samson's secret. She asked him, So, where does your strength come from? Now that simple question makes me wonder if Samson looked more like Clark Kent and less like Superman. Otherwise, she would assume his strength came from his bulging biceps. But Samson lied to her. He told her, If you tie me up with seven bowstrings that have never been dried, I'll be just as weak as any other guy. She tied him up with seven bowstrings that had never been dried, and then she yelled, Samson, the Philistines are here! And Samson snapped the bowstrings like twigs. Samson was unhurt. Delilah was hurt. He didn't trust her. She asked him again. He lied to her again. Okay, if you tie me up with new ropes, I'll be as weak as watered-down coffee. No, my words, not Samson's. She tied him up. She yelled. Samson broke the ropes. She pouted. She tried again. This time Samson got dangerously close to giving away his secret. He told her, If you weave my hair together, tie it together in a loom, put a loom shuttle on it, I'll be as weak as a bad dad joke. Again, my words, not Samson's. She wove his hair together just like he told her to. She yelled. Samson woke, yanked the hair out of the loom, and the Philistine scrambled. And now Delilah was hurt, and she was scared, and... Really, she was angry. 
frustrated. The Philistines were paying her handsomely to get them intel, and Samson wasn't telling her the truth, so she laid it on thick. The writer of Judges wrote, she nagged him day and night until she finally wore him down. And Samson got that look in his eye. That was the cue for the cellist to start playing the minor chords as Samson spilled it. I was dedicated as a Nazarite to God even before I was born. Part of that vow will not allow me to cut my hair. If I cut my hair, I break that vow. And if I break that vow to God, I lose my strength. Now that's the truth. And Delilah knew it. This time, he told her the truth. Delilah got word to the Philistines that she had him this time. They hid in a room in the house as he fell asleep on her lap. She called in for a man to shave his head while he slept. And once Samson's long hair was in a pile on the floor, Delilah yelled her familiar yell, Samson, the Philistines are here. Samson jolted awake. He tried to shake himself free like he had always done, but this time he did not realize God wasn't on his side anymore. Samson had broken the vow his parents vowed to God about him. The Philistines quickly tied him and gouged out his eyes. They chained him with bronze chains. They learned their lesson with the ropes. We're not just going with ropes. We're going to go with brass chains. And then Judges 16 verse 22 records a measure of mercy. Samson's hair began to grow again. For every man who was paid a high price and waited in a long line for a haircut. We know that truth all too well, but this appears to be more meaningful than that. This appears to be the grace of God giving Samson his strength back after Samson gave it away. The Philistines were half drunk. The temple was packed with people, and 3,000 Philistines watched from the roof as they all praised their fish god Dagon for finally foiling their foe. The prison guards brought Samson out of the prison and brought him in front of everybody for everybody to make fun of him. Samson couldn't see anything, but he heard everything, and he felt everything. He felt it deeply. Samson asked the young man who was leading him by the hand to stand him between two pillars so he could rest his hands on them. And Samson reached out his hands until each hand was firmly placed on a pillar, and Samson prayed one last prayer. He asked God to give him one last chance to avenge the loss of his two eyes. Samson could hear the Philistines praising their god Dagon for defeating Samson and perhaps even his god Jehovah, but Samson knew better. Dagon did not win this for the Philistines. Samson gave it to the Philistines. Samson asked God for one more chance. Samson prayed, Sovereign Lord, let me now die with the Philistines. For the first time in his life, it seemed Samson finally understood God was really in control, not him. No matter how strong Samson was, God was infinitely stronger. Samson pushed against the pillars with what might he had, and he brought the temple crashing down on the Philistines below and the Philistines who watched from the roof. Samson killed more people at his death than he did during his entire life. When his family came to the ruined temple, they had to clear away the rocks and the rubble and all of the ruin just to find his body. It is such a tragic ending to such a supernatural beginning. And it is the difference between a vow, Jephthah vowed that he kept in Judges 11, even at the price of his only daughter's life, and a vow Samson's parents vowed for him in Judges 13, 
that Samson promptly and repeatedly broke, and it cost him his own life. If Samson had built an altar and made his parents vow his own, he might have lived long enough to rid the land of the Philistines once and for all. I want you to ask yourself, if you're following Jesus because you made the choice or somebody else made it for you, if it is your choice, keep following Jesus no matter who does or doesn't, no matter what or who fights you about it. We learn from Jephthah that it is possible to keep a vow no matter the price. But if someone else made that choice for you, sooner or later, and likely sooner than later, you will walk away because someone else's choice will not be strong enough to keep you. May it be said of us, I vowed a vow, and by the grace of God, I kept it. I want us to pray that the Lord would help us to make this decision our own. Maybe you are a young lady, young man. Maybe you're a young adult. And in your life, you've lived for God because your parents raised you to live for God and taught you to live for God. And thank God for parents who did that. But at some point, you must make God your God. This must be your choice, your vow, your decision, your life that you dedicate to God. So let's do that right now and make that vow to him. Lord Jesus, I want this to be my choice not just what my parents brought me up to believe and to do, but let this be my faith. Let this be my decision. Let these be my convictions, not just what somebody else has shared with me I should believe, but let it be what I do believe from what your word tells me to believe, I pray. Help everyone listening to this episode make this choice for themselves, make this choice themselves, and then by the grace of God, keep it no matter the opposition, no matter the persecution, no matter what comes or who comes against us. Help us to live this life following after you. Live this life for your glory. I ask you today, Jesus, help us to learn from these two stories and judges that I vowed a vow, and by the grace of God, I'm going to keep it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Simplify listeners. Pray this episode's been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share. Let others know about the episode. Let others know about the podcast. Also, just released a brand new book one week ago called Blessed Are, A Practical Look at the Beatitudes. And you can get that at PentecostalPublishing.com. You can get that also on Amazon for Kindle, or it's going to be available soon for Audible. And right now, 10 words for the Ten Commandments is available on Audible, Kindle, and PentecostalPublishing.com and Simplify is available on PentecostalPublishing.com and Amazon. Not quite audible. I'm working on it. Just taking a little time. And if you purchase from PentecostalPublishing.com, use promo code SIMPLIFY and get 10% off your first order using that promo code. Next week, we're out of the book of Judges, and I want to share with you a devotion called A Moabite Mother. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always, Look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.